fear. It's one of the few things that can literally bring you to your knees. But chances are you've never experienced another emotion so great it brought you to your knees. Love. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. There is a day that is foretold where everyone on earth will be brought to their knees, some out of fear and others out of extreme love and reverence. Today, Robert Quintana begins a three-part journey to unravel the mysteries behind the ancient words of a great prophet with his message, I Shall Bow. So call me weird, but I've always enjoyed the presence of the elderly. I don't know what it is. I've just always liked it. Ever since I was a little boy, everyone would be playing outside and I would be in the living room or in the dining room sitting at the kitchen table or at the foot of the sofa just listening to adults talk about their story, their experiences, um, what they think is important in life, talking about politics and God and church. I just, I, I, it's always been fascinating to me. And, and Heather will tell you that one thing I say time and time again is I can't wait till I get old. I, what do you mean you can't wait till you're old? What does that mean? I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. There's just something about the wisdom, I guess, that experience brings that I just, I want to be a part of that, you know? And when I think about spending time with individuals, you know, like when they say, if you can spend a day with, you know, I always think of someone that's older, you know? Uh, Justin Bieber doesn't interest me. You know, I, I would much rather spend time with George Washington if he was alive or, you know, someone that's kind of been through some experiences. I have to tell you what a kick it has been to just be able to on the phone or in, in person with my mom is just ask her, you know, her experiences growing up in Cuba and all the things that I've learned from that. And I've shared with you some of those stories, stories those life lessons that we can learn. And so, as last fall, when, when we were putting our sermonic year together, and, and we try and cover, um, you know, several books of the Bible a year, and there's certain subjects and topics that we want to go over, you know, so we plan out our sermonic year, I was excited when we put on, on this month's uh, topic, the book of Isaiah, I was excited about that because I thought this is my opportunity to spend time with an old prophet. And I get to spend time kind of reading what he jotted down, what he thinks it's important, what, what he saw, how he viewed life. And so I'm excited about the, the sermon series that we're about to embark on today. But the book of Isaiah is fascinating. There is so much good stuff in there, and I'm encouraging you, please, to spend some time in the book of Isaiah. Let me share with you just a few things about Isaiah. The book can be divided into two sections. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are oftentimes referred to as the books of judgment, because the first 39 chapters dealt with the judgment of God. 
his warnings. In other words, Isaiah was telling the people, this is how you need to live your life. This is what you need to do. These are the precepts of God. These are his commandments. And if you don't follow them, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, then God will judge this nation. We will be invaded. We will be taken captive. The second part of the book of Isaiah, the last 27 chapters of the book, deal much more with God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. Deal a lot more with the plan of God's salvation. And so you have the first 39 book chapters that deal with the judgment of God. And then you have the, the second half, the 27 chapters that deal with God's grace. This is the reason why many scholars look at the book of Isaiah and say it is a mini Bible. It is a mini Bible because just like the whole Bible, the first 39 books, the Old Testament, deal a lot with the judgment of God. What will happen if you don't repent, if you don't turn back? And just like the Bible, the last 27 books of the Bible deal with the plan of salvation, the grace of God, forgiveness. And so a lot of people refer to the book of Isaiah as a mini Bible because of this. The name of Isaiah is significant in of itself. The name is divided into two. The first part of the name Isaiah is an abbreviated form of the name Yahweh. And and the second part of his name is an abbreviated way of saying salvation. So you put Isaiah together and it literally means God saves or God's salvation or the salvation of God. Some will say, the Lord helps me or the Lord saves me. So just think of that as we move forward now looking at the book of Isaiah. God saves. God's salvation. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22. God says to all of us through the prophet Isaiah, look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Look to me and be saved. There are many in today's world that have an issue with the exclusivity that this text seems to imply. Because you will hear people say, how can it be that there's only one way, that there's only one truth, that there's only one life? No, 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 no. Wait a second. All roads lead to God. Uh Uh-uh. Here, God says to all of us through the prophet Isaiah, look to who? Look to wealth? Does he say, you know, look to your businesses or, or look to your relationships or, or look to your foreign gods? No, he says, look to me and be saved. And then he goes on to say, there is no other God except me. And this rubs some people the wrong way. It's kind of reminiscent of what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, so let me clarify two things here real quick. 
to the accusation of this being an exclusive message. Let me, let me make something clear here. It is not exclusive in the sense that God's invitation is to everyone. He's not leaving anyone out of this invitation. It doesn't matter your, where, where you've been. It doesn't matter your faith, your denomination, your religion. It doesn't matter your income. It doesn't matter your past addictions, your current addictions. It does not matter. The invitation goes to everyone. And he says, come to me as you are. Come to me and you will be saved. So he's not excluding every, anyone. In fact, his arms are wide open. They're stretched open wide. And he says, whoever, it does not matter if you're Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're Baptist, Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you're a Seventh-day Adventist. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist, an agnostic. It doesn't matter. Come to me as you are. Come to me and you will be saved. Now, what people do have a problem with is that Jesus does say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on to add, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, why do you think he would say that? Let me just say to you that Jesus Christ is the only one who has paid the penalty of my sin. He is the only one who has paid for the penalty of the sin or of the guilt that I accrued against God. He is the only one that has paid it. Therefore, it is only through Jesus Christ that I can come to the Father. Now listen, that's not to say that God isn't at work Wherever your journey is right now, yeah, absolutely God is at work and he is working in your life and he is leading in your life and he is trying to reveal himself wherever you are on whatever road you might be on. But make no mistake about it that at the end of the day, at the end of time, it is only through Jesus that we have access to the Father, and it is only in Christ that we have access to eternity because he is the only one that has paid the penalty of sin. He is the only one that died on the cross and paid the penalty, which is death, for my sin. And so he rightfully says, it is only through me and so here when we read in chapter, in chapter 45, verse 22, he says, look to me. Don't look around. Don't look at the foreign gods. Don't look at the, at the golden images. Don't look at the wooden images that you've erected. Don't look at all these lowercase g gods. No, look at me and be saved. For I am God and there is no other. Now, verse 23. I love verse 23. And I know, listen, I know that pastors say this all the time. And I have to admit, I've been guilty of it as well. But verse 23, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful texts in all of Scripture. Here it is, verse 23. I have sworn by myself. Look up. Look up, everyone, look up. All right. I have sworn... By myself or on myself. Do you understand 
the significance of what God has just said? Listen, I grew up in a home where we weren't allowed to swear. Now, I'm not saying like swear as in curse words. I mean, we weren't allowed to do that either, but we weren't allowed to say in our home growing up, I swear that if you don't, oh no, that was a big no-no, okay? So we knew that my dad meant business when we were all in the car and, and, and you know, it was escalating and he got so mad that he turned around and he said, I swear if you guys don't shut up right now, we all went, He means business. He's serious. So now I want you to think of God saying to you, to me, to all of us, I have sworn. I swear to you. This isn't no Washington Redskins fan predicting that they're going to win the Super Bowl. This is God Almighty, creator of the universe, king of kings, and lord of lords, saying to all of us, I have sworn on who I am, on my character, on my reputation, I have sworn. Now now think about that for just one second. I mean, if we understand and acknowledge king of kings, he's not just saying, oh, I'm, I'm one of the greatest kings that ever lived. No, what he's saying is, listen, if you put all the kings that ever lived together in one room, I'm not just the best king. No, I am the king of kings. This is God almighty creator of the universe saying to all of us, I have sworn by myself. Now listen, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. Stop. The word has come out of my mouth in righteousness, in purity, in everything that is good. Okay, so I have sworn by myself, I I am putting my reputation on the line here. The word has come out of my mouth in righteousness, in other words, in truth, in everything that is good, in impurity, there is nothing that is bad about this. The word has come out in righteousness and shall not return. Stop. In other words, I'm not taking this one back. No, 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 no. It has come out of my mouth and I'm not taking this one back. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean it. What God is about to say is going to happen. What God is about to to tell us right here, right now, you can count on it happening. So he says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out in righteousness and shall not return that to me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall shall take an oath, and as some translators will say, which was quoted several times in the New Testament, and every tongue shall confess. The word has gone out. He has sworn by himself that every knee 
shall bow. That means you and you and you and you, 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 and yes, me. Everyone who has ever lived, everyone who's alive right now, anyone who will ever live and walk on this planet, God says there will be a moment in time when every knee shall bow. Now, the book of Revelation kind of gives us some insight as to when this moment will be. You can read about it for yourself, uh, but kind of gives us some insight that after the thousand years, after the millennium, that you see the holy city descending from heaven down to planet earth and all the saints are gathered in the holy city and and the bible talks about the resurrection of the wicked which the bible refers to as the second resurrection or the resurrection of condemnation and so you have every person who has ever lived on planet earth but see i'm not so concerned about when or where this moment will take place. That doesn't concern me as much. I can't control those things. There is, however, one question that concerns me deeply, and I think it should concern all of us, and that is this. Why? Why will every knee bow? Why? Just ask yourself the question, why is it that every knee will bow before the creator of the universe? Now, let me rephrase that question so that it might make a little more sense to you. So it might be a little bit more applicable to you as you walk out of here today. So let me rephrase that question. What will drive you to your knees? When you see God Almighty, creator of the universe, king of kings, Lord of lords, what will drive you to your knees? You see, because from everything that I've been able to piece together as I've gone through several scriptures and I've been trying to like put my mind and wrap my mind around this and and really I'm finding out that it's wrapping my mind instead. But as I'm trying to piece this whole thing together, I've come up with two reasons why you would bow before God. There are two reasons. One is out of fear. The the complete understanding that, yes, it is real. He is here. I've been running away from him all of these years, and, and now it has come, and it has caught up to me, and now judgment day is upon me, and I am fearing what is about to happen. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Is it going to be that you are so in love with Christ and his ways that you respect, you honor, and you admire, and you stand in awe of him and it drives you to your knees? There are several instances in scripture where this happens. There are several times when either someone is healed or someone gets it. It clicks that this is the savior of the world. And and it says that they fall to his feet and they worship. I pray for all of us 
that what drives us to our knees on that day is that we have been walking with God for so long. We have experienced his ways so many times that we have invited him into our lives so often and so regularly that we've experienced that peace that surpasses all understanding, that we've experienced that joy, that when we see him for the very first time, all of our hopes and all of our dreams are realized in that instant, and we are so overwhelmed with gratitude that we fall to our knees to worship. What will drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear? Is it going to be love? And so now we start a short journey through the book of Isaiah. Because Isaiah does such an unbelievable job in unpacking God's love for us. Because you see, if you want to be at that point where you love God, you need to understand one eternal truth. And that is that God loves you. You have to understand it. I mean, the the New Testament tells us we love God because what? He first loved us. And so in order for us to fall to our knees out of love for him, we need to understand first his love for us. And I'm telling you that Isaiah says, does such a beautiful job at this. Let me just give you a couple of examples. I'd like for you to turn a few pages over to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 says this, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Isaiah tells us that God's love for us is so great that though everything around us may fall apart, That though everything around us may be removed, God says, don't lose hope. Continue to believe that I love you. That I will never leave you nor forsake you. That my mercy is still over you and covering you. That is how much God loves us. What will drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear? Is it going to be love? Listen to how God here responds to those who are running away from him. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? I think it's interesting here that that Isaiah, um, inspired by the Spirit here, chooses to talk about a love that if we were to have a consensus in this room, we would probably all agree that, yeah, there is no greater love on planet Earth than the love of a mother towards her child, right? Like, my my mom's love has never been in question. And here, inspired by the Spirit, he, he chooses to describe a love that for us is unmatchable. 
And then he goes on to say, surely they may forget. He says, yet I will not forget you. In other words, you think of your mom's love and you think that's all great and that is amazing. God says, her love pales in comparison to my love for you. And then he says this in verse 16, which might now help you to understand why New Testament writers loved quoting from Isaiah, okay? See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Think about that. Think about that for one second. That that God says to us, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands, obviously referring to the death on the cross where he showed his ultimate love for you and for me as he paid for the penalty of sin, which is death. That's how much God loves us. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. It doesn't matter where your life is right now. I can recreate it. I can bring it back together. And when we understand God's love for us, we cannot help but to fall on our knees in worship to Him out of love. Next week, you won't want to miss part two of this series, I Shall Bow. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.